You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Nehemiah chapter 13, going to look at verses 6 through 11. Some words in here that's a little bit difficult to pronounce, and, and so I may uh, uh, mispronounce them, but that's not the, the, the main point this morning. But in Nehemiah chapter 13, starting in verse number 6. In all of this time, Nehemiah is talking here, in all of this time was I not in, at Jerusalem. For in the two and the thirteenth year of Artaxerix of Babel, the king of Babylon, came I unto the king, and after certain days obtained leave of the king. I want you to think about what Nehemiah is saying here and what he's doing. He said, I came to Jerusalem, and I understood of the evil that Elias hid did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me sore, therefore I cast forth all of the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. Then I commanded that they cleanse the chambers, and thither brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. And I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them, for the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled every one to his field. Then contended I with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together, and I set them in their place. And we're going to read verse 11 again. I commanded, then commanded I with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together. I sensed that in my spirit this morning. I gathered them together, and I set them in their place. The setting is simple. I'll say this, and I'll let you be seated. Nehemiah, the people, God's people, had spent all of the time and all of the work and went through all of the opposition to set up again the city of Jerusalem. He left and went back for two years to where he was bound to the king. And when he come back again, everybody had left the work of God. And they went out into the field. And they were working, and the work of God had been forgotten. And Nehemiah said, we can't do this. We've got to get back to the work of God. I sense that in my spirit. We've got to get back to the work of God. Because the work of God is too important. And this morning, Pastor Brian, I'm going to borrow your saying. Something that's common here at Faith Worship Center, and I just can't get around it. Every time when I was praying about this, it resonated over and over in my spirit. But this is my thought and my title this morning. Keep the main thing. The main thing. Keep the main thing. The main thing. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray this morning? Father, I love you today, and I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. I thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house this morning. And Lord, uh, for every individual, every family that is represented, God, I am above all grateful. And I just pray this morning that you would move upon us, God, to do a work that only you're able to do. I pray that you would open our ears to properly hear, God, our hearts to properly receive. And Lord, that you would anoint my lips to deliver and rightly divide this great word of truth. I'm believing you this morning to do something I cannot do, Lord, and that 
that is, God, to do a work, Lord, in the hearts of every individual that's here. And God, for everything that is said, I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. And this morning, if you are a visitor, the the Word of God never leaves out anybody, and so I'm sure we're going to touch on something. But this morning, I'm not going to go deep into theology or anything, not that I ever do. The Word of God is simple, so we ought to keep it simple if we're going to relate it to the individual. But this morning, I do intend to look at the vision for Faith Worship Center and uh, just some different things and different aspects there, praying that the Lord would continue to rekindle that. You know, as I, I think back in my time pastoring, and often I think about the moments, I think about the time that I felt the Lord call me specifically, not just in the ministry, but when He called me to pastor the other night, and by the other night, I mean not tonight, I guess not today. The other day means not today, another day. I was, we was with uh, Brother Michael and Sister Tiffany, and we drove by the house where me and Sister Becky lived when we first got married. And I said, you know, you've heard me talk about a propane tank where the Lord stopped me, just humbled me. And he told me that it was time to follow him and not follow man. I said, that's the propane tank right there. That's where it's at. That thing, that's special to me. Those moments are special to me. And you'll have them moments in your life that God has done something specifically for you that's going to mean more to you than it is to somebody else. But it was significant, and as I began to recall back and I began to look, I realized that one message has been and will be a constant and continue to be a constant, and that is, I know that we preach Christ and Him crucified, but the message in regards to the vision is something that, as a pastor, I have to keep before the people. I have to continue to remind us. I know I'm starting off slow, but I I want you to understand where I'm coming from. The vision of the church is something that we have to keep in front of the people, and that is my obligation. That is my uh, job, my calling specifically. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 29, I believe it's verse 18, that without the vision, the people will perish. And it literally means that without the, to envision what God has in store without looking ahead that the people will become loosened and we will become slackened and we will begin uh, to no longer be making the main thing the main thing any longer. And so for fear of that happening or for direction of the Lord in order for a church to be what the church is supposed to be, we have to throw in the vision. We have to continue to stir up the hearts of God's people in regards to why that we're here and what we are doing. I'm going to say something this morning uh, that might sound odd coming from a pastor, and I'm in uh, a good crowd of people this morning, but listen, I'm not here just, just to just have church services. I'm not here just for a job. I'm not here for those things. I don't come on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night because my forefathers set a time that we ought to come to church and I just enjoy having church services. Now listen, I'll be plain. I enjoy, and there's nothing greater than being in the presence of the Lord. If you can come to the house of, and I know we have a little bit of slump time somewhere, but I come to the house of God to have my faith 
built up in Christ to be edified to help me Monday through Saturday to live for God. Because I don't know about y'all, I'll speak for myself, I have a little bit of trouble when I'm out in the world and I'm not in the presence of the Lord. And so I come and I'm in the presence of God and this ain't the only time, but through the week I walk over to the barn or whatever and I get in the presence of the Lord because I need a little bit of help. I want to be in the presence of the Lord, but coming to church, we take advantage of what the pastor has, what a teacher has, what an anointed singer can give us so that we can have our faith edified and built up in Christ. That's why I'm coming together. Just to be blunt and to be plain this morning, there are few things that is more boring than a church service if the presence of God is not there. It's boring. And so I don't come to church just to have church. I come to church to be in the presence of the Lord and I'm looking for a truth that I can take home with me and to be edified and to grow in Christ. Our number one priority of course is souls, but that's not really the vision of the church. That's not the vision of the church. The vision of the church is to be obedient and to accommodate what is necessary for the plan that God lays out in the heart of the pastor to build and to delegate the people of God and the people that God sets in place and the people that God brings together. And by following His vision for the church specifically, the outcome will always be souls. The outcome will be souls. So the vision of the church is something that we got to always put in place when we follow this direction to be plain. If that was complicated at all, God knows what is needed for a church in the area and what is going to be effective to win the lost. God knows what we need to do in order to win the lost. And that's what his desires. And some things that we look back on the vision and you, uh, uh, of some things that God has put in my heart. I know I'm starting off slow. In regards to a vision, if I told you what God has put in my heart right now, some of you would think I was nuts. I was crazy. Oh, no, we wouldn't. Really? When I first started pastoring and was just here uh, uh, just about a year or two, I think there was... 30 eligible voters, when they voted, I was here for about six months, and there was less than that. If I would have told the congregation then that we're going to knock out that back wall, and we're going to add 100 seats, and we're going to build a building over here because we know all of that, you would have thought I was crazy. It's okay to amen that. Some of you thinking, we think you're crazy anyway. You would have thought I was crazy. This is what we're going to do. If I told you all of the things that's in my heart, you would think that I was crazy. But you know what? The church, every church ought to desire to be the church that God has called them to be. That God has called them to be. We are to preach one message. It's not God's will to be many denominations across the church world as a whole. Jesus said that you be as one as me, as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are as one. And there's one message, and that is to bring us together to help to win souls. I want to exist to be that church. I want to exist as a church to point you to a one-on-one relationship with the one that can change your life. I'm not here for religion. I'm anti-religion. 
religion. I'm not here to give you a list of rules and regulations. I'm here to show you and to point you to somebody that can work in your life to change the things that nobody else knows about. We are determined as a church to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And the only reason that we're determined to preach that is because that's the only message of the Bible. Why would I want to go to something? Oh, there's a lot of messages. No, sir. No, ma'am. There is one foundation that is laid and no other foundation can be laid. And let every man take heed how you build thereupon. If the message doesn't come back to being saved by faith in Christ or to grow or sanctify by faith in Christ, then it is not a message of the Bible. There's one foundation. We are here to tell the sinner, listen, I'm here to tell you this morning and to announce, regardless of what the the church world has done to you or what you've had said to you, Jesus did not come to condemn you. He didn't come to condemn you. I've had people, I literally, people say, you need to be careful and you need to qualify that. Okay, I will. John 3.17, read it. For the Son of Man, God sent His Son not in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Jesus come to save you. He didn't come to condemn you. If you're living in sin, you already know it's wrong. There's no reason for somebody to point it out. The Holy Spirit points that out Himself as it convicts your heart. Jesus come to save you. Yes, you, whoever you are. I say it all the time. I'm going to say it again. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how deep in sin you were when Jesus found you. The Gospel tells me anybody and everybody can be free from anything and everything and yes that includes you this morning he died for the preacher he died for the teacher he died for the murderer he died for the adulterer he died for the fornicator he died for the liar he died for the gossiping tongue he died for the pedophile he died for the good old boy that thinks he's saved that thinks he don't know Jesus any, uh, that thinks he don't, don't need Jesus any longer he, he died for the teenager he died for the gray head he died for the bald man he died for those that's got hair it doesn't make any difference uh, he died for whosoever will call upon him they shall be saved this morning. He died for everybody. I'm above all grateful for Faith Worship Center, for every person, every family that is here, because we're unique of a truth. And I've said it before, the hand of the Lord is upon us. And this morning, it's in my spirit. I've got to recall some things back that the, that the Lord has done in regards to a vision. But my prayer is that God, if maybe you haven't grabbed the hold of the vision, We have people helping with the vision. We have people that is watching. But we need everybody involved. But my prayer is that God would rekindle that and that we would see the need to keep the main thing. The main thing this morning. And I know individually that is my walk with God. But in regards to a church as a whole, it is what what do we need to do as a church to bring the lost in? To bring the lost in. You know, church gets a little complicated sometimes. I've had people quit because we didn't ask them to sing. I've had people quit because we did ask them to sing. That's people. That is people. I had people quit. I'd come to your church if you wouldn't take up offerings. I said, well, hey, I wouldn't pay the electric bill if they didn't charge us either. But they do. 
It's pretty dark in here without it. That's, oh, I could go on and on. They don't time for that, but it's needful for us to keep the main thing the main thing. I want to take you back to some things, some details that you know about Nehemiah that I want you to think about this morning. Is it all right if I, yeah, it is. I'll come down here. You know, Nehemiah starts off very quickly into the writing of that book, of that letter. It starts off, if we backed up to chapter number one, that somebody come and they told Nehemiah that the walls of Jerusalem was destroyed and Jerusalem was no longer. And the Bible says that he broke and that he wept. He just began to weep. He began to cry over that. Now think about that. Here's the news. Some people it wouldn't bother. But it, would it bother you? If you got up one morning and they said the church is no longer and there's no church open, you can't go to the house of God anymore? If that doesn't bother you, something's wrong. Nehemiah broke and he wept. He was under uh, bondage to another man, but he wept because in Jerusalem was his people. Do you know why he wept and he cried? Because he's seen the significance of Jerusalem. If you never looked up Jerusalem and the picture and everything they've got going on, it's an amazing place. They had everything you needed inside the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah wept because he's seen the significance of Jerusalem and the significance of what it would do for God's people, but now it was no longer. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you see the significance of coming to the house of the Lord? Do you see the importance of being faithful to God's house? Because there's a, there's a repentance point right there. Do you see the importance of being faithful and supporting the house of God? I tell our, sometimes the Lord begins to move upon our kids right up, up front. So a lot of times on youth nights, and we'll go and we'll see uh, children from ages four year old up to teenage years. Sometimes some of our teenagers will walk off the platform, come get in a prayer line. They'll be standing up here broken, praying in another tongue under the power of God. I want you to know as a parent, if you don't see the significance of that, you are blinded to the things of God. Oh, and my child's too young. I stood next to a four-year-old girl that was praying for people in the Spirit, had her little hand praying for people in the Spirit. I was overwhelmed. I sat down. I was just overwhelmed. Let me tell you something. That's something when you see the moment that God moves upon your child, that's something the world cannot give, that money cannot buy. That's our drug prevention. That's our alcohol prevention. That's our prevention to the sins of the world. Let them taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you see the significance of the house of God? Being faithful to the house of God. Oh, I'm here. I might as well pastor just a little bit. When's the last time you prayed for the service that you were about to walk into? When was the last time you were saying, God, if somebody's there, they're not, they don't know you, I pray that they get saved. When's the last time you prayed that everybody in the prayer line will be healed the moment that we start praying for them? When's the last time that you called when you couldn't be here and asked if anybody got saved or healed or delivered? When is the last time? I'm asking you this morning. Nehemiah wept because it was no longer. If it was no longer for us, how many of us would weep over it? 
And then he went on. I may lose my notes this morning, but then he went on. The Bible says, here's another good one for us. And, uh, I'm not going to make friends this morning, but I hope I don't lose the ones I've got. Nehemiah said, there's no way, there's no way I can go unless God moves. There's no way, watch this, there's no way that I can be involved in the work that the Lord has put in my heart unless God changes some things. You know why? Because Nehemiah wasn't just a servant, he was a cupbearer. In other words, he stood before the king, brother king, brother Greg, he drunk the cup to make sure there was no poison in it. That was his job. Listen, that's not a man that I'm going to let off work. I'm just being real with you. I'm not going to let him off work. Well, I don't feel really good. Well, you might die here in just a minute anyway, so you're still going to drink the cup. You ain't going to let that man off work. Nehemiah said this, there's no way it's not going to happen. Unless God moves and a miracle happens, that I'll even be able to go. So we begin to pray, Brother Junior. He began, God, give me favor with the king. Give me favor with the king. And he went and he told the king what his burden was and what his heart was. And the king said, okay, I'll give you leave to go back. Now let me ask you another hard question this morning. How many of us, I said us, we got too many. Nehemiah's, I can't go. What I do is too important. How many of us got too many more important things to do that's keeping us from the work of God? Well, I know you got to work. We live in the world. We can't get around it. If I'm working a job that keeps me from the work of God, I should be, listen, I've been there where I hadn't been. I should be praying, God, give me a better job that'll give me more time for the work. If he did it for Nehemiah, he'll do it for us today. I was talking to uh, Wes the other, other day. There's the other day word again. I said, you know, I, get, I could get, I turned down. I told the guy no, and he still calls me. I talked to him just a few months ago. Get you a truck and come on back. I made more money on this hay haul that I had than, than, than any job that I've ever done. Make more money in a day than I could in two weeks. But the problem is, I quit studying and I quit praying like I should. The devil knows what our price is. And he's willing to pay it. So is it a priority? Is what you got going on, oh, it's just too important. No, if we keep the main thing, the main thing, then we're asking God to change some things and to make it where that I can continue about his work. Okay, I'll move on. They started, he gathered up the people of God. Watch this. And when he gathered them all up, they decided that they were going to get about the work. They were going to build the walls. He went and inspected. He come back and he said, it's a mess. While he's inspecting, because it's already in his heart, Tobiah, Samballot, they just, they just couldn't keep quiet. You know, you know them people that just can't keep quiet? Okay, I is one of them sometimes. So, you, we know them people that can't keep... Oh, y'all left me all by myself that time. Can't keep quiet? They're over there looking at them. Sanballat, Tobiah, Sanballat and Tobiah, they're standing over there laughing at them. 
making fun, mocking them, ridiculing them. I'm talking about building the vision, building the work of God. How many of you, when you stepped out and you said, I'm coming to Faith Worship Center because of the presence of the Lord and because of the message that they preach, I know I'm not alone this morning. How many people laughed at you? How many people ridiculed? How many people, Brother Matt, said that's nothing but a cult? How many people said you're crazy? How many people said that thing's going to fall? You're wasting your time. How many people are still mad at you today? How many turned their back on you? I'm talking about the vision. To, uh, uh, Nehemiah stood there and said, yeah, Simbali, we're going to rebuild this. He's laughing. Tobiah says, You're, you've lost your mind. Nehemiah says, nevertheless, it's in my heart. Uh, I want you to know that opposition came before they ever got started. But Nehemiah held to what God put in his heart. And God blessed him. And he'll do the same for you if the Lord is leading you. Listen to his voice because he will not lead you astray. And we move on. We see Nehemiah. He suffered this ridicule and then he shared it with God's people. And God's people said, let's rise up and build. The people had a mind to work. Listen. Do you know why I've went back into this sometimes? Do you know why we're here in Portia, Arkansas today and we're a church called Faith Worship Center? Because back in the 70s, there was a group of people that were all together having a church. One night, Brother Charles, I believe it was at a revival service. Is that right? Revival service. Brother Charles, Brother Buford, Sister Barbara. Stephanie was there, but she don't remember it. Because she was the baby. If Sister Sherry was here, she'd say, and Sarah was about six months old. They had a fight in the church. What can be more deferential than a, than a fight? The Buford did the best he could. They got things under control. The Charles stepped in, did whatever. Split the church. There was a group of people that said, even though we're hurt, and even though we're, man, I feel this this morning, I'm loving it a lot more than you are. Even though we're hurt, even though we've got a bad taste maybe in the community's mouth, we're not going to quit and we're not going to give up. They moved on down to Lynn and all they could find was an old theater that was a mess and they had to do a work. They tell me about all the work and everything they'd done in order to put that together and people started gathering together to have church. They went from there, built a church at Lake Charles and God sent a man and a woman, Brother Charles and Sister Kathleen Clark, that give them some, 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 easy for me to say, stability. And they begin to grow a church. And I've seen the pictures of people on the front of the steps. But since then, even after that, they went through different issues uh, and different problems. Uh, but here's what I want you to know. Just like the people that were with Nehemiah, these people in their heart, they had a mind to work. Uh, and if you've got a mind to work, your mind and your heart is set on. I don't care. We won't quit. We won't give up. What God started in the beginning, we're going to wait and see it through. And let me just be honest with you, because I've talked with them. I've talked to Brother Charles personally, and he won't care for me saying this. There's been a lot of days he wanted to quit. 
There's been sometimes he pulled out and said, I'm never coming back. But then when he got a home and the Holy Spirit saying, now, Brother Charles, you can't do that. We're not there yet. Listen, church, uh, Faith Worship Center, we're here because people didn't give up and people didn't quit. Uh, and there's some of us today that had more reason than not to give up and to quit. But that desire has been transferred down in the heart and life of every member of Faith Worship Center. Just like our country, uh, we refuse to give up. Uh, we refuse to let go. Uh, we refuse to stay in bondage. Uh, we won't quit. And God has blessed uh, because we didn't give up and didn't quit and if we look here time would fail me to give every single detail but they kept the main thing the main thing they kept the main thing the main thing Nehemiah said this having a hard time saying still this morning Nehemiah said this they built the gates first they got all the gates and everything and got them all constructed and then when they got them done, they're going to start on the walls. Here comes Big Mouth Samballot and Big Mouth Tobiah again. You don't have nothing but these burnt stones. That's all you've got. He said, well, we'll have to use some burnt stones. They said, you know what's going to happen? Put them in a wall. Go ahead. Because even if a fox crawls on them, they're so weak that they will crumble and they will fall. He said, well, that's all we got. So they started, and i got to believe they were praying. They started putting in these burnt stones. Every one of us here today is a part, is, a, is represented by a burnt stone. Anybody here ever been broken? Anybody here ever been in a bad relationship? Anybody here ever been bound by drugs? Anybody here been bound by alcohol? Anybody ever suffered depression? Anybody ever suffered oppression? Let me just be honest with you this morning. If you've never went in through anything, you're not a candidate for God uh, to work through. But if you're here and you've been broken, if you've been hurt, uh, if you've been stepped on, if you've been rubbed on, if you've been cast off to the side, if you've been told you're worthless, uh, you're no good, you'll never make it good. You're a prime candidate because when you are weak, the strength of God can rise up in you and everybody will know that it was God that moved upon your life. They took them burnt stones and they began to lay them in place and this is going to really catch you off guard right here. They get back and they see some progress happening and guess what happened? Opposition come again. Ever sit back and see progress happening? The Lord touched my life. God done this. God done that. And all of a sudden, opposition. Oh, yeah. Opposition came again. They kept building. While they are building, the enemy says, you know what? We're going to turn up a little bit. If you're going to keep on building, then we're going to fight you while you're building. So they said, well, go ahead. And we're going to keep on building while we fight you. And with a tool in one hand and a weapon in another, they kept on building the wall. They kept on, they kept on, they kept on, they kept on. And God was moving and God was working and God was blessing them and God was protecting them and keeping them. Now listen, if God's people were going to earn it by their works, they would have earned it right there. But we don't earn it by works. We earn or we receive by faith. So they kept building. And this is, I'm glad you're sitting down because this is going to really catch you off guard. Opposition came. Anybody ever sick and tired of opposition? Guess what? 
This is what happened. It didn't just oppose, Brother Jeff, it didn't just oppose the men and women that were working. The Bible says our sons and our daughters are now oppressed. Parents, let me tell you something. It's one thing to attack you. It's a whole different ballgame when you attack my children. I don't have kids, but I've stood next to the man that is my dad when somebody has come against me. I've seen my dad, and I'm just being blunt, and he, he won't care if I say it. He's more sanctified than what he used to be. I've seen his temper. I've seen him pray, God, if my temper gets any worse, take me on home. I'm telling you. You're not a, you're just not, just, anyway. But then I watched as he'd kind of provoke him, kind of do a little bit. He'd keep his mouth shut and walk off. Walk off. If he shuts his mouth and walks off, that means he is bull and mad. But on the other hand, when I was a 16-year-old boy and somebody provoked me, a grown man threatened me. Dad, I come home and Dad could see it all over my face. What happened? Well, I told him what happened. He said, get in the truck. Where are we going? We're going to his house. I don't really want to go to his house. Oh, we're going to his house. So we go to his house. Dad walks up front door, knocks until he comes. I understand that you threatened my son. Well, he was there. He said, no, whoa. If he was doing something, I'll correct him, ask him. And let me tell you, he'll, he'll, he'll take care of that. He said, I just come here to tell you, I want you to get a good look and remember what he looks like. Because this is my boy. And if you ever again provoke him or threaten him while he's a, a, a boy, just still a boy, he said, man, you're going to have problems. I won't come back to talk. You see, I've been standing next to the man that's my father when he said, this is my boy. If there's a problem, you come to me. Why? My dad would have brushed that off. But when you went to his children, when you went to his children, oh, the, the, the battle, the fire got turned up because that was a no trespassing spot right there. You know what Nehemiah did when they come and said, Nehemiah, now it's our children. He went to the high priest and he said, listen, I've had enough. I am through with this. Uh, he said, I, and begin to tell them, you're going to relieve them from all of this stuff. Nehemiah went and he took care of the situation. Listen, when you get to the place when you think that I can't take no more and I'm going to give up, if you'll say, listen, God, uh, I'm here. I need some help. I can't do anymore. God will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Uh, he will always step in to take care of his children. You know why? They continued on because they didn't give up and they didn't quit. More opposition. They were moving forward. And this is going to really catch you off guard. After all of that, they start moving forward again. More opposition came. You notice how opposition is always in the mix? 
Believer, let me tell you something that most of the church don't want to admit and you sure don't want to hear a preacher say it. Your opposition's not going to quit. Because the Lord's got to allow some opposition to push you closer to Him. You will pray when you're in trouble. I'm preaching good. You will pray when you're in trouble. Opposition was just in the mix of what progress was. The opposition didn't quit, but neither did the Lord. And finally, what God intended was set in place. The Bible says they rejoiced. They sung aloud. Even the surrounding areas around Jerusalem could hear them as they began to rejoice. They were heard afar off. Everything was restored. Now they had a place where God could dwell and sacrifices would be made. You see, they kept going through oppression, through opposition, through ridicule. They kept the main thing the main thing because they looked way down the road and they said, we've got to have a place where the presence of God dwells. We've got to have a place where people can be saved. We've got to have a place where we can come and have our faith encouraged and edified so we will not come on. The thing that mattered the most was to have a place where God dwelt and that his work would continue on. And that ought to be our moms and dads at the Lord's tarries. Are we handing something down to our children? Are we handing something down to our children where the, the presence of the Lord can continue on? As I think back as a church, I, don't, I won't be up here very much longer, but as I think back as a church, we are a church where people have a mind to work. It took a little time, but in 2018, I believe it was, 19, Mr. Becking probably helped me when we paid the mortgage. Okay. I'm not saying nothing. We paid the mortgage off. took a while. It was almost $90,000. We paid the mortgage off, the new building, everything included. We started hitting that thing. The Lord laid it up on my heart to start taking up that building fund offering. We started taking it up and applying every bit of that. We knocked that thing out. And then, setting without any debt, we, COVID hit. And during COVID, they said, we got to be shut down and we're trying to not be rebellious and we're trying to be wise. We want to be wise about everything. We took that opportunity and we completely gutted this place and opened it up, redid carpet. We, got, we added chairs. And then a couple of our 10 weeks that it done, we spent $55,000 on everything you're doing. And in my heart, in my spirit, I was praying and I felt like God dropped it in my heart. We'll pay it off in a year. And I was thinking, 80, or right at $90,000 took us a long time. How are we going to pay that much off in a year? And then 10 months later, we got close. We got, I don't remember, within three or four, five, three or four thousand dollars. We got close. And I got a phone call one day. How much you got left on that mortgage? First of all, I said, why you ask? I mean, I'm not just going to air out the church's business. I'm sorry. I'm just that way. Why you ask? Well, because I got a check, and I'm pretty sure it'll be good for it. Didn't take me long to spit it out. All right, I'll be by today, and let's pay that thing off. And so, boom, knocked it out. Got to stand in front of you. Going to give you an update on the mortgage, but... We didn't have one. It was done. It was over. Got with the board. I said, look, we need parking. We got more seats than we got parking. Going to build up the dirt. I'm talking about the vision of the church. Don't let me lose you. Going to build up the dirt. Brought dirt pans in. That was the cheapest way, most economical. 
When we got done, the guy said, you owe me $7,250. $7,250. Got a call within a couple of days. A couple of fellas got together and said, I'm going to do half if you'll do half. Well, I'll do half if you'll do half. They called and showed me what the what, what I don't care if you do half, you do three-fourths, and he does a fourth. You do a third, he does two-thirds. I don't care. I'm just going to rejoice anyway. So I got before you and I said, $7,250 is what it costs. But the thing about it is, you owe nothing on it. Brought the other dirt in and finished it out. And gravel, we had people, Chris Ford jumping in, giving a dump truck, buying the diesel, paying a guy to run it. All of these things come together. We had people, listen, selling pecans, selling pies. We used to sell eggs. We've been down at the carnival. We've sold fish. We've sold barbecue plates. Whatever it takes. I say that to tell you this. We are in the middle of a people that has a mind to work for the things of God. Praise the Lord. Every time I've had a a little bit of concern, we're going to do something real simple. We're going to cut a hole in that wall back there so that we can add a door. The guy's saying, yeah, sounds great. Go ahead and do it. We can do it ourselves. No problem. We just buy a door. No big deal. No big deal. Call about a door. And I went, whoa. Called the guys and I said, what do you think a tarp would look like? That door with taxes and everything is almost $1,800. <laughs> and I got to call them back in a few hours and say, listen, somebody just called me out of the blue. I don't even know. There's no reason why they even knew about a door, thinking about a door or anything. They called me out of the blue and asked me what that door cost and said, I'm on, I, we want to pay for that door. And they t- paid for that door and it was done. Got to call them back and say, that $1,800 wasn't such a big deal because it, it's already paid. Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm not done. I'm enjoying this. Now, got a call with some things that we want to do. We don't, we don't owe. We're out of debt. We don't owe anything. So there's some things we want to do. And one of the things we want to, the, the wooden wall back here is rotted. It's done. We put up a few landscaping timbers. But the rest of that is, like the one guy said, a bunch of termites holding hands. It's just barely there. And so he said, we got to build a concrete retainer while we're done. Had a guy come by and look. Called me later. He said, we can do that wall. We figured we're going to go four foot and 73 foot and all this. I said, okay. Uh, I'll be there to show you. I'll put a flag where I want it to start, flag where I want it to end, and all of that. I don't need all the specimens. I, I trust the guy and everything. I just need to know what's the cost. Well, the cost on that wall is $5,300. I called a guy, I said, well, write me down, but let me call, I'm going to call my board and everything, we really need it, and it's really the only way that's done and over with, uh, but, uh, you know, nevertheless, it's $5,300, and then, by the time Sister Becky come home, I called them back, listen, if I was to go around and ask you how many of y'all knew we were going to put a concrete retainer wall, nobody in this church, I probably hadn't even announced that. I probably hadn't even announced that. Just some things that we know that needs to be done. We just got to get it done. But a little bit later that day, get a call. <laughs> Are you putting a retainer wall behind your church? I said, yes. Uh, we are. Okay. What's it going to cost? 
I said, $5,300. He said, okay. Well, I'm probably behind. They don't go to church here. Nobody looking around. Probably behind on some offerings. But just go ahead, put me and my wife down for half of that and consider it half paid. I said, that's 2600 My math's real good. When people say they're going to give a check to the church, my math works really good. My math teacher will be proud. I promise you I'll get an A. I said, that was $2,650. They said, no problem. We'll bring you a check back, but just consider that halfway paid. I said all of that to say this. The hand of the Lord is upon you. And when God is in it, there's nothing the enemy or the world can do to stop what God's got in mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You ought to rejoice this morning. The hand of the Lord is upon you. And I'm going to quit with this. Brother Jeff's coming. Here's what they asked me. Craig had electric and power. Asked me. And they give you like two seconds to answer. And so I couldn't get into it. What makes Faith Worship Center so unique? What makes us so unique as a church? Well, I grew up in church. So I know a little bit about church. I know a little bit about what's being said, what's about going on. And I, I've got different things that I watch and stay up with. And you know what I found? I found that there's a lot of people in the church world today that's just like I was when I was 26 years old. When I came on to the message of the cross, we have a world of, of confused people. We have people wanting to know who is right and who is wrong. Well, how do I know the Baptists are right? Or how do I know the Pentecost are right? Or how do I know if the Church of Christ is right? Well, how do I know if Catholic is right? We got a lot of people. And because they can't answer that question, they won't give you the time of the day to sit down because, well, you know, you may be wrong and somebody else may be at ball bulls down to or too lazy to open up their Bible and see it for themselves. But the truth of the matter is, and I'm going to share my heart right now, I want my leaders to listen. I want my praise and worship team to listen. The truth of the matter is, in 2022, in the world that we live in, we are still living in a time when people are tired of religion, they're tired of denomination, they're tired of rule and regulation, they're tired of the fighting, they're tired of the bickering and what they truly want. If you could sit down and talk to them, is they want to know how to be on a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus Christ. They want to know how to walk with God. They want to know how to walk in the Spirit. They want to know how to be changed. They want to know for sure that they're name is in the Lamb's book of life and that they are on their way to heaven when they die. They want to know for sure. And I said that to say this. 2008, we stepped out of denomination and we went independent. And I thank God for that. We went independent because you know why? I'm not up here. I don't want to be listed with a soul protocol Sister Dana's sitting back there. I heard her say this. I'm going to say it too. I'm not real churchy. I don't want to be real churchy. In other words, I don't want to be a part of the religion and everything, or the, 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 just the tradition of churchy, churchy, churchy. We got to do it this way because that's churchy. No. 
I want to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ so that you can experience Him for yourself and that you can live and you can walk with Him. I want you to know this morning that we are justified, declared not guilty by our faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary. I want you to know that it's by faith that we are changed. I want you to know that by faith, when you say yes to Jesus, that the power of the sin nature can be broken. That by faith, I'm buried with Christ. By faith, I'm resurrected with Christ. By faith, I walk in the Spirit. By faith, I'm going to be changed. It's the great of God that brought me in and by the grace of God I'm going to make it in this world I want you to know this morning that anybody and everybody can be saved I want you to know that no matter what the bondage is no matter what the heartbreak is that Jesus Christ is the answer and to my leaders my praise and worship I want you to know that what we're doing is important. And here's, I'm going to say this, I'm going to hush, promise. I get three times. Nehemiah went back into the place, the city of God. Okay, when he got into the city of God, it was empty. And he looked and he said, watch this. Where's the singer that used to stand there? Where's the bass player that used to play that bass for the Lord? What happened to the one that used to play the piano? What happened to that teacher that used to teach because they touched my life? What happened to that youth leader that's been through the fire and came out and God restored? What happened to that associate? What happened to that board member that reached out to me? What happened to the man in the corner that was was a prayer warrior that was here early every service and he was praying? What happened to the one that used to bless me with their worship? Where'd they go? What happened to them? And Nehemiah said, why has the house of God been forsaken? I know you need to make a living. I know you got to work the field. But all of that takes second place to the work of God. Why has the house of God been forsaken? He said, in other words, why did the place where God dwelt become loose? Why did it become loose? And the answer to that is this. Because they forgot the vision. And they got caught up in trying to gain in the world. Church, This is the best day that the church has ever seen. There's more going on in the world than ever before. Men calling evil good and good evil. Embracing sin and say it's okay. And if you love them enough to tell the truth, then you're a hater. There's never been a greater day for the church. Because while life is going to turn you to something... 
They're going to be looking for something to fill that void. Brother Lane said it good. If we've got a star-shaped hole in our heart, you can't fill it with a square. And if we've got a hole in our heart that only the Spirit of God can fill, you're not going to fill it with alcohol. You're not going to fill it with another man, another woman. You're not going to fill it with a drug. You're not going to fill it with another fix. It's only going to be filled by the presence of an Almighty God. There's never been a greater day for the church for us to be a voice that is crying in the wilderness to come back to Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary would you stand with me this morning I gotta quit go ahead whatever you got praise the Lord so I'll cherish the old rugged cross Praise the Lord my Praise and worship Can you join him this morning? We're going to do something real quickly This I will cling To the old rugged cross Praise the Lord and exchange it someday for a crown. Here's what I, I feel this morning that I'd like to do. That old song, whoever leads it, whoever, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I know this ain't like a Sunday morning, but uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what day it is. And my question is we, we sang this old song, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord, my I want you to think about this this morning. In a congregation or in a church, God's got many different people that have many different callings. But my question to you this morning is, as they sing this song, are you on the battlefield? Whether you're a preacher, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a prayer warrior, whether you're a layman, whatever you may do, whether you're a singer, whether you're a musician, whatever you may do, Everybody's got a place. My question is, what are we doing for the kingdom of God? And are you on the battlefield for your Lord? I don't know about you this morning, but I still know people that are lost and undone. I still know people. I've still got family that don't know Jesus. I can't come off my post yet. I can't get loose in that area yet. I've got to continue on preaching and teaching and being a voice to point people to Jesus Christ. I'm on the battlefield this morning. Go ahead. Well, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Yeah, yes, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Come on, think about it. Well, I promised him that I think about it. I would serve him till I die. And now I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Come on, think well, about it. Well, I was alone at night, oh. Well, I was a sinner too. Well, I heard a voice from heaven saying there's a work to do. And I took my master's hand. Well, I joined that heavenly band. Well, see, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Come on, sing it this morning. Well, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Oh, yes, I'm on that battlefield. Oh, 
serve him till I die. And now I'm on that battlefield for my Lord. Come on, sing it this morning. Well, I'm fighting for my Think Savior. Think about it. I'm fighting for, for the, the Savior. Battle, this most one. Come on. Where the trumpets will be sounded. sounded. The coming of the sun. Hallelujah. And I'll lay my armor down. You see, I'll pick up my robe of town. And then I'll walk those golden streets with my Lord. Hallelujah. That's good. Well, I'm on the battlefield. Oh my Lord, oh yes I'm on that battlefield. Oh my Lord, come on, somebody needs to take their post this morning. Still that I, I, I would serve it till I die. Well I'm on the battlefield. Oh my Lord, one more time. You see I'm fighting for my Savior. I'm fighting for my Savior. The battle is most won. My Lord. Well, the trumpet will be sounding for the coming of the sun. And I'll lay my armor down. Then I'll take up my robe and crown. Then I walk the golden streets with my Lord. Oh, we gotta we gotta rewind that. Well, I'm fighting for, for my, my savior. savior. Think about for it. the battle is most won. Well, the trumpet will be sounding. For the coming of the sun. Hallelujah. And I'll lay my armor down. Well, I'll take up my robe and crown. And then I'll walk those golden streets with my Lord. Well, now victory is mine. Well, victory is mine. Hallelujah. Well, victory today it is mine. All mine. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.